welcome to It's Just Historical, a podcast that celebrates today's historical fiction. I'm your host, Suzanne Dunlap, author of nine, soon to be ten, historical novels for adults and teens. Join me and my guest for the next half hour while we talk historical fiction. Writing it, reading it, publishing it, and more with tips about process, pet peeves, and preferences. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Erin Davies. She is an amazing person, a real champion of historical fiction. She's a book reviewer, and she basically does that. I I don't understand how you can read all the books you read, but in any case, that's what she does. Hello, Erin. Hi, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. It's uh, I've been interviewing authors, most of whom I know personally, and, and there's lots of questions that I ask them, but I'm totally intrigued about you. You are a super book reviewer. So tell me, first of all, how that works, what you actually do. I suppose I start looking at the new releases or even backlists for something that catches my eye and then read and analyze my thoughts on it. I'm a theme-based reader, so most of my... Uh, commentary relates to the thematic dialogues of the narratives and that varies reviewer to reviewer but that's just my style. So what do you can you elaborate on that what do you mean exactly by that? I always love what's happening I love the historic landscapes of a novel the atmospheric feels of historical fiction but I always tune into what the author is trying to get at are they talking about somebody's emotional journey? Are they talking about a relationship with someone? Are they adding social commentary? That's really fascinating. It's great because I know as an author, I, I really appreciate it when a reviewer kind of gets at that in what I've written and it, it's not, doesn't always happen. How many, I, this is a terrible question, I'm sorry for asking it, but how many books do you read in a month? Oh, in a month, it depends. My definition of historic fiction is very loose. Some people are very into literary historicals. I I am much more (laughs) diverse in my selections. I can read anything from a graphic novel to a a historical romance to to a literary fiction. It doesn't really matter as long as it's historical in in nature. So the book count and the page count vary widely. (laughs) Right. On average, I'm comfortable saying four to five books a week. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. How do you keep it all straight in your head? I have a notebook. <laughs> <laughs> Good, I like that. <laughs> I handwrite review notes for every book that I write or read. That is really wonderful because I think it shows a lot of care and attention to the books. And I think that people whose books you review are fortunate to have you pay that kind of attention to them. It's really, thank you. yeah, it's really, it's a very good thing. So what attracted you? How did you get into the historical fiction side of it originally? Oh my gosh, uh, a million years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I was 13, maybe 14. I stumbled across a book in the public library and it was completely accidental. I wasn't even looking for it. I was looking for something else. And Elizabeth Chadwick's The Champion happened to be on the next shelf down. And I saw this knight on the cover and I thought, that looks fun. I'm going to take that home. And I fell into the book. I read it 
cover to cover, couldn't put it down and realized I loved everything about it. And ever since I've just read historical fiction. Wow. Yeah. I think my first real historical fiction was T.H. White's The Once and Future King. Nice book. Yeah. Yeah. I actually read it in London when I was 14 years old. Fun. (laughs) Yeah. And I was staying at the Savoy Hotel. That's exciting. Yeah. One and only time in my life. And it's too long a story (laughs) for me. Been to London just a couple times and it's literally been get through Heathrow and get out of town. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Unfortunately, I've never been able to play in the city. Yeah. I lived there for 10 years. Anyway, so do you have, you say you're reading, you read across a broad variety of genres, subgenres of historical fiction. Do you have any particular favorites? In In terms of authors or? No, I'm not going to ask you to name a favorite author. I'm not going to ask you to name a favorite author. I would not do that. Thank (laughs) you. But in terms of the type of book. Um, no, I will read pretty much anything as long as it has some sort of historical detail into it. Now, did you study history at, at all in college or anything? I started to. I, I started as a history major and then realized that your options for uh, employment, if you want to actually work with history, are to uh, be a historian, which doesn't have a whole lot of financial freedom or opportunity, unfortunately. And, uh, or I could teach, and I have this horrible fear of public speaking, so that didn't work for me. <laughs> so I transitioned to legal studies and finished my degree in that. But history has always been in the background as a personal interest. I grew up visiting battlefields and historic sites with my parents, and it's always been part of our family dialogue. That's awesome. I, because I lived in London for so long, we, I used to go to all the stately homes, the National Trust properties. It's something we don't really have here, except in a small, in a limited kind of way. So now let me switch a little bit, ask you, do you have any favorite adaptations of historical novels to film or TV? How do you feel about those? Tough question. I like some of them. I like others less, (laughs) but it really comes down to Last of the Mohicans, which Hmm. if you've read the book and you've watched the movie, there's significant differences. I don't mind the differences. So for me, I like to see the the material adapted, but I like to see it done well regardless. Yeah, I hear you. Actually, that's really interesting because I've felt the same way about some where where I've read the book and it's awesome and I love it. And then you see the adaptation and the director has made some very significant changes, but they have to make it work in their time frame and on film. So seeing those things change and move is it's appropriate. But I understand why some people it rubs them the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, now another question I have for you is about covers, book covers ah. for historical fiction. Do you have yeah. any sort of pet peeves or, or things you particularly love? I am not a fan of the models who look inward. They have their back facing to you. <laughs> I prefer the models looking out of the covers. 
I think my favorite thing about cover art in general, however, is the use of stock photography. Because historical fiction has such a limited uh, amount of pictorial material to utilize, you see a lot of the same stock images on different covers. I had a blog series at one time called uh, Cover Clichés where I was tracking these reoccurrences and I loved seeing how different cover artists would change and alter the image to fit the title they were working on. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. It, it really is. I was really fortunate with my YA titles that Bloomsbury brought out because they actually did photo shoots for them. I found was... that young adult titles seem to get better covers, quite frankly. I don't yeah. know why the adult market has not expanded in the same capacity, but young adult covers seem to catch my eye more often than adult covers for their innovation. Yes. Now, trends. There are lots of different trends in historical fiction. It seems like there's always a few years where you just get inundated with the same stuff. For a while, it was Anne Boleyn and the whole Tudor stuff. Now, it's World War II. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get tired of those trends or are you always willing to continue and read through them? It depends. I, I definitely burnt out on the tutors for a short time. That burnout lasted for several years after the trend had faded. <laughs> it's been revived, however, by an author I'm currently reading. Single-handedly, I might add. World War II, however, has been an interest of mine since before it was trending in historical fiction. I loved those books even before it was popular to write them. And as much as I say I'm tired of seeing the same storylines, I find myself still picking them up just because I'm addicted to the subject matter. <laughs> and I think that publishers recognize that in a lot of readers, which is one of the reasons why those books are published and I've read some wonderful ones myself. Yes. I'm not, it's not a period I'm drawn to, but good writing and a good story will take me even places where I didn't think I wanted to go. Yes. So. I will add that when I see somebody who takes a unusual setting or an unusual angle, I get more excited. Um, mm -hmm. When I see a, a book written from say the German perspective a lot of readers have a, a moral issue with that, but I personally think it's great to look at things from multiple sides. If you see a book set in a location, you don't normally see something like Poland. We see a lot of Germany, we see a lot of France, England, even the US. Uh, when was the last time you saw something in Manila <laughs> during World War II? There are so many options that haven't been tapped. And I, would, I, I get excited when I do see authors venturing into those places. Yeah, I agree. And the thing is that even with the trends, even with multiple books on one that sort of gravitate to one period or character or whatever, no one's going to look at it exactly the same way. Nobody writes, no two people write the same book. Very so, true. Yeah. So there's a lot of room for that. And I have... Publishing is a business and they have to make their money. So, oh, very much. So do you get contacted by publishers and sent arcs and things like that? I do. I get contacted by publishers, by agents, by authors themselves. Pretty much my email inbox is very diverse. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm also intrigued by, you said graphic novels. What yes. 
historic. I, I always think of them as dealing with fantasy or superheroes or something like that. What are some historical fiction graphic novels you've written? You've read? Well, I just I just finished one by Ennis called Night Witches. That N I G H T Night. Yes, N I G H T. Sorry, that's okay. And who's it by? Ennis E N I S is his last name. Huh. I will have to look for that. What, what it, was it like? What did it cover? It's three books. They were previously published as part of his Battlefield series, which is a much, they're much smaller volumes. These three uh, chronicled the journey of a single character. So they were packaged together by Dead Reckoning Press and uh, sent to me for review. The first book covers the Night, Wishes, Night Witches in Russia. The second book covers more of the Soviet Union at war during the conflict. And the third book gets into POW camps and the gulags. So interesting. What style of illustration did they use? I'm intrigued. I'm going to go look at it too when oh, we're finished. But. <laughs> the, the, the illustrations vary wildly. Some graphic novels are much more erotic in nature. This one does have some sexual violence in the first section. But for the most part, the renderings are fairly appropriate. My kids were looking through the book, the second two parts of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and they so how, had, how old are your kids? Uh, my children are 10 and 8. Oh, you must be very busy during this time. Always. Ah, <laughs> oh, bless you. I just can't imagine being at home with children during this sort of lockdown pandemic period some of it's challenging but some of it is it's a real blessing I'm sure that sounds really cheesy but you spend more time together for one and for two they, they say things to you and it's their children and their worldview is very different and something will come out of their mouth and they don't even realize how optimistic it is and it just picks you up oh that's so great to hear uh, so uh, have, you, have you ever written yourself? Have you ever thought about writing novels, historical novels? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I have thought about it. I am frequently told by my friends and relations that I need to write. I have played with writing about a character that I am obsessed with and uh, a historical figure, but I've never gotten to a point where I feel like I need that, those writings to be read by the public. <laughs> Yeah. More of an exercise in, can I do this? Yeah, I, I hear all the time people say, oh, if I had some time, I'd write a book. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think they realize how difficult it is. And if you've tried, then you get some sense of that. You, you get some sense that it's more than just putting words on the page. Yes, and writing's only half the battle. Once you finish writing, you've got to publish, and then you've got to market. Oh, yes. Ah, so do you have any pet peeves that have to do with authors or publishers or agents or anything like that? Oh, pet peeves. I think my biggest pet peeve is probably people who aren't versed in marketing. So they'll see that I'm a reviewer. They'll, they'll find my email address on my website and they'll immediately send me a copy of their book. Uh -huh. And it's impertinent, quite frankly. <laughs> To just assume that I'm available and interested. I, I know a lot of reviewers get turned off just by the tactic alone. They're not even being asked for their time. And since reviewers are predominantly unpaid, 
it, we do this as a hobby. We do this as a, a form of enjoyment, something that we can engage in the book community. It, it's really hard to just have that perception out there that you're just there to be used. Yes, I can. I can imagine that must be really annoying, and and frankly, writers should really respect the time that people take to read their books and not expect that just as you say just because you're a reviewer that you're going to be interested most authors are very respectful it's the few that just rub you the wrong way sometimes so do you get like a stack of books and then you have a long time you're lining them up to read and you tie how does it work do you end up like with 20 books at once or (laughs) Frequently, yes. A lot of my books are digital. I read digitals much faster than I do prints. If I want to, I can sit down and read a print in a day. That's not a problem, but I need the day to do it. A digital arc, I can run through my Kindle's text-to-speech function, and I can listen to it while I'm working, as you would an audiobook. So I can get through those faster, and I don't have to dedicate my whole day to turning pages. A lot of digitals and... (laughs) Everyone always asks how I read so fast. That's how I do it. I listen. My headset. <laughs> yeah, and, and and do you review audiobooks as well? Just out of curiosity. I do. I do. I will review audiobooks if given to me. I also review audiobooks that I listen to via uh, Scribd or okay. uh, my local library. I borrow them from my library a lot. Yeah, libraries. Oh gosh, that's. I'm I'm actually going to be having a conversation like this with a librarian tomorrow. And I'm really looking forward to that because so much of getting books out to people, getting the information out about books is dependent on people who are doing it. Of course, the librarian, it's her job, but it's really about the love of the books. It's not about making money. A librarian doesn't make money when the book gets loaned out, so to speak. And just as you, are you are, do you ever do paid reviews or do you do you do? I've never done a paid review ever. I've taken part in book tours that in those circumstances, the authors or the publicists have paid the tour host for their time, mm-hmm. but the bloggers themselves are not paid at all. So I've never received anything beyond a book for my service. Um, wow. And I consider that a matter of pride, quite frankly. I, I don't think that my integrity should be bought. And I appreciate that my reviews are, are not connected in any way to an invoice. Well, that's a really good point. Now, but how do, supposing you get a book and you're really excited about it and you read it and it just falls flat. And you, do you write bad reviews or do you say, I have to pass on this one? As a younger reviewer, I wrote much, many more negative reviews. As a more seasoned reviewer, I've taken a stance of if I can't finish the book, I will politely give a quiet note to the publisher or the author or whoever passed me the book and let them know that I can't finish the book for whatever reason. But I do finish the book and it is negative. I will try and make sure that my commentary, if I offer it, is centered on me because I feel like when you don't like a book, more often than not, it's because you're not in a good frame of mind to read it. You're not ready to understand what the author's saying. Or maybe it's just that you don't appreciate the author's style. It's nothing wrong with the book itself. It's a matter of taste and personal perspective. 
That's so true. I can't tell you the times people said, oh, you must read this book. And I get it and I start reading it and I think, what on earth did they like about it? Or, or the opposite, where I'm saying, oh my God, I love this book. And then someone else says, eh, not so much. It is yeah. such a personal thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's very much like art in my mind. You can go to an art gallery and you'll find 10 people who love a painting and 10 people who hate it. It has no yeah. reflection on whether the painting is good or not. <laughs> It's so true. So true. And thank heavens that there are so many different tastes or so many different books wouldn't ever get published. (laughs) Now, do you have any lines in the sand, for instance, for things like violence or sexual content or anything like that? No. I know a lot of readers who do, and I know a lot of readers who prefer to put trigger warnings in their reviews. I tend not to, but my commentary will note something like this book has sexual violence in it, something like that. I don't mind reading it. I don't enjoy it by any means. It's not something I look for. But if a story needs to go there and an arc needs to include that material for a reason, I'm all for it. I appreciate what those moments mean for a storyline and for a character development. And I know that some stories demand it. That's such a great perspective. It really is. And I agree with you. It's like, thank you. When you watch something, say, the difference between gratuitous violence or sexual content and something that's integral to the story that's being told is vast. It's, I was just having this conversation online with somebody about the series about the Medici that's on Netflix, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying it. But my friend said, oh, there was too I watched the beginning. It was too violent for me. And then I thought, yes, it's, it has a lot of, it has violence, but it's integral to it. Now, the one that I hated was the Borgias. And the reason I hated that was because I couldn't, I couldn't like any of the characters. But anyway... Is there anything you particularly want to talk about? Some, something I haven't raised? No, nothing goes to mind. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I apologize. No, no apology needed. It it's really has been fabulous to talk to you. I really appreciate your time. I have learned something, some, several things that I did not know, which is always an object of mine. And you can be found at Flashlight Reader. Is that you? Flashlight Commentary was my original blog, and it is still up if anyone wants to go there and check it out. I did transition to a new blog called Historical Fiction Reader. You can ah, find historical it at historicalfictionreader.blogspot.com. Excellent. I think everybody should go and follow Erin's masterful reviews and pick up especially the obscure things she reviews, because that's, <laughs> there's so few ways to, for people who are not with big publishers or are doing odd things to get anybody's notice and and reviewers like you are definitely one of the important ones so i'm always happy to get out there with the people who are are struggling to find their audience it's what we do with book reviewers and i'm happy to play a part thank you so much this has been absolutely great and i hope thank you you so much for having me yeah pleasure i hope you all stay well and healthy and i could hear your kids in the background it was very cute (laughs) yep (laughs) That's so cute. Yeah. All right. Listen, you take care. Bye.